0: From Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 8, from verse 1 to 12, which is on page 491 of the Church Bible. Nehemiah chapter 8, 1 to 12. 491. When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the peoples came together as one in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the Lord Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So, on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. <clears throat> and all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra, the, pre- the teacher of the law, stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. Beside him on his right stood Mattithiah, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and marseiah And on his left were Pediah, Mishael, Malkijah, Hashum, Hashbadanah, Zechariah, and (laughs) Meshulam. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God. And all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites, Jeshua, Bani, Sheribiah, Jamin, Akub, Shebathai, Hodiah, Marseah, Kelita, Azariah, Jozebed, Hanan, and Peliah instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people, said to them all, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still, for this is a holy day. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food, and to celebrate with great joy, because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. This is the word of the Lord. Reading is 2 Timothy 3, verses 10 to 17. It's 2 Timothy 3, verses 10 to 17. And in the Church Bible, it's 1,196. 1,196. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. The persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all
1: of them. phone here, so, you know, hope nothing flashes up that I need to pay attention to. Right, okay, so um, thank you so much for your warm welcome this morning. Uh, three times I was offered a cup of tea before the service, That that is impressive. I, I go to lots of places and that never happens in some places, so thank you. You can always tell a warm and hospitable place, so Thank you uh, for your warm welcome, and thank you particularly to Angela for um, first approaching me about getting involved here, and Tim for all the communications leading up to today. It's been uh, great to work with you. I've been extremely busy the last month or so. I guess like a lot of people, uh, everything is opening up. Everything's happening now at 100 miles an hour. It feels like there's two years of pent-up demand for everything, and we're all doing far too many things. Um, we need to learn a few lessons in that, but it's lovely to be here, so... Thank you, and thank you for pledging to be financial and prayer supporters for our work, particularly in China. We really appreciate your partnership, and we hope we can keep you informed on what we're doing. Um, and uh, yeah, it's with you know, without churches like yourselves, we just, just simply couldn't support as many projects as we do. So thank you so much. So right here we go. Let's see whether this works. Yes. So, does anyone know in which public building you find inscribed into the stonework these words, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labour in vain? Houses of Parliament, Parliament, well done, Gold Star, Angela, yeah, excellent. Uh, Houses of Parliament, in the central lobby, it's inscribed into the stonework there, and it's a reminder to us that at the very foundation of um, the institutions of this nation um, are the words of Scripture. Scripture provides the foundations for who we are as a people and the way that we govern, and that's reflected in our laws. It's shaped and provided those foundations for us, which is why we in Bible Society support the work of Christians in Parliament, that group of people who uh, meet together regularly to pray and study the scriptures and pastorally support the staff, the peers, the MPs, everyone on the estate, because we recognize that having the word of God central is important. Did you know there's a Bible study group of MPs of all the political parties who meet together every week to study the scriptures for an hour together. So they might have big political disagreements, different ways of doing things, but they pledge to pray for one another in that place, and that's a wonderful thing, isn't it? And uh, we've got the Parliamentary Prayer Breakfast on the 5th of July this year, back in person for the first time in a few years. Uh, But it's also live-streamed, so if you wish to register for the live-stream, if you um, haven't got a ticket to be there, then please do. Uh, And that's, again, a wonderful moment where people, MPs and peers of all faiths and of no faith, come along and they hear the Word of God. Um, This this year, the main speaker is Les Isaac of the Ascension Trust, who founded Street Pastors, and he's going to speak there. And I remember a few years ago, Andy Hawthorne, who founded the Message Trust, um, the Eden Projects that are all over the country now, started in Manchester and Withenshaw. I remember him speaking a few years ago, and I was in the room at the time. And Andy Hawthorne's not somebody who kind of, uh, he doesn't mess around with kind of fancy language or whatever. And uh, he stood at the front and he said, um, he said, now... I've been looking through lots of government documents recently in preparation for today and I have seen the word God but I haven't seen the word Jesus (laughs) and they were all (laughs) he said we need more of Jesus so it's a great occasion great to be involved in that and we've got an event afterwards on discipleship which again you can live stream where we've got a whole panel of speakers speaking at that so coming to our passage um, for this morning it's all about Ezra reading the law to the group of people but we need to do a bit of background don't we so who likes geography that's three of you okay well the, the rest of you can sleep for the next few moments um, uh, who likes history Oh, that's a few more. Okay. Well, we'll start with some history, and then we'll go on to the geography. Then. So, where are we situated in Scripture? We're about 445 BC. Um, incidentally, I, I I gave up history early, and it's one of those things I've grown older. I've really grown to love. Um, I found it. I I spent far too far too long on. Jethro Tull seed drill in the Industrial Revolution, that's what turned me off, um, but other things have brought me back into history. So 445 BC, this is known as the second return initiated by King Artaxerxes, incidentally long name, difficult to pronounce, thank you so much to our reader this morning, um, did a fantastic job. Um, And I asked somebody to do that passage uh, when I spoke recently, and when they came to that bit, they said, and the Levites called various different names, uh, and then carried on afterwards. So, so well done. Um, So, King Artaxerxes, after Nehemiah's um, emotional and prayerful reaction, you may remember that from chapter 2. Nehemiah hears these stories of what's going on Jerusalem so Nehemiah's over in Susa which is at the heart of where the the Medes and the Persians now are in in kind of Babylon and he gets these stories back from Jerusalem about the old city and they are stories of destruction of devastation and of people drifting from Yahweh from God And his prayerful and emotional and tearful reaction to that leads the king to say, okay, you can lead a group of people back to um, to the usual thing. I forgot to do the slide earlier. Um, There we are, that was Parliament. Um, There you are, in case you can't remember it. Um, There we are. Um, so he leads this group of people all the way back from Susa, this party, who are given the king's protection to go on this long journey. And you go via that, what's called the Fertile Crescent. You can't go straight across because you'd go through the desert, you'd run out of water, you'd die. So you go up through the Fertile Crescent and back down again and to Jerusalem. Um, now, um, this group of people who've been exiled, of course, now the exile is, is almost my favorite part of Scripture. I love this Particular is so rich, uh, but it's also for us to recognise the devastation of what it is to be a group of people deported to another country. And and don't we see that today? We see people being deported from Eastern Ukraine into Russia. What a horrendous thing to befall a people to be deported and taken somewhere else. And that's the horror of of what's happened here. So this had happened 140 years later. So these are the descendants. Um, captured by the Babylonians, who sub- eventually um, subjected Jerusalem to, to its fall in 586 BC. Um, and they were the world superpower of the day, the Babylonians. And who would ever have believed that they would one day be completely swept to what, aside by the Medes and Persians, who's, who now... Run Babylon at this particular moment, and it's a reminder to us that world history can change fast. And you know, we, we've had a period of history, I think. Um, when up until perhaps 10 years ago, everything was a bit static and quite stable and it was easy to think that things weren't really going to change. And wow, haven't we seen so much change in the last 10 years and it seems to be faster and faster. A reminder, things can change quickly and we need to be prayerful that in the midst of that, God is at work, people are being reached by him. So, and the group of people who have been deported were very much the kind of the leaders. You remember Daniel and co. Uh, So, um, is that off? Oh, oh, that's your phone. You can find out all sorts of things this morning, aren't we? Um, So... um, uh, Daniel and co. They, they've been deported. They're very much the kind of the civil ser- senior civil servants of the day. They've been taken over. The people who were left were the, the kind of the slightly lower echelons of society, and they kind of drifted with no leadership during this 140 years. So you can see what a division took place. The keen, committed ones, uh, who had leadership potential, trained in the Babylonian civil service. They were all over there. And the drifting ones with no leadership were over here. Um, and it's amongst these people where Nehemiah is, these descendants of these leaders, they, they've had their face sharpened, sharpened by this persecution, this separation. What do I stand for? You know, you'll remember the whole question about Daniel and observance and what food he ate and all these kinds of things. What, what actually matters under that pressure? Um... Now, when when we're removed from our context, we discover those things, don't we? I mean, I don't know if any of you lived abroad or, or spent any length of time abroad. Some years ago, I spent uh, three months living in South Africa. Um, and it's only when you're somewhere else you discover just how British you are. Do you, know, do you know what I mean? Like, why don't people drink a cup of tea at 4 o'clock in the afternoon in this strange land? Um, you, you discover all those customs and things that you think are just natural about the way people should do life, are different. Um, And so it it forces you to to look at that. Anyway, Ezra tells us of the first return, and the first return had led to a rebuilt temple, Um, but there'd been all sorts of complex matters that needed to be sorted out in the community at that time. Most prominently, the fact that people were more interested in their own homes than they were about rebuilding the temple. Uh, What are your priorities? What's the challenge there for all of us? The community gets settled in, get established in the land. And here we come to our passage. Yes, we've done our background. We've done our history. We've done our geography. Here we are. We're into the text now. Um, The community's settling in. It's getting established. But for this to be a community of God, there was a vital community event to be enjoyed, the reading of the word. So verse 1, all the people gathered in the square. Seems like a social media flash mob, but I can assure you it wasn't. It would have been organized uh, word to word, uh, mouth to mouth. They'd have said, come along at this time, meet in the square together. That's going to be a great community event together. Uh, And it's a centerpiece for the community. And can you imagine in this big crowd of people the anticipation of what's about to happen. Now, we've had two years, didn't we, of relatively little associating in large crowds. And in fact, for some of us, it's still that whole experience is not easy. Um, But for others, it's been an absolute joy to get back into kind of the way things were done before. And that's because we are built to be sociable people. We're built for relationship. Genesis 1, very clear about that, that. that sense of being around and with each other. And yes, we can do much of that online, and thankfully we all innovated and managed to adapt to that, but it isn't quite the same as sharing the same physical space and being together. So the anticipation as they're waiting for this moment. Now, to try and get you into the mood of what anticipation might be like, have you been to a concert where you're waiting for a particular piece of music to be played? Maybe your favourite rock band or your favourite classical orchestra. Or maybe you've been to listen to an author and you're on the train on the way there and they're going to tell you all about the book they've just written and you're imagining what they might say, what they might say about the past and and what's going to be in this book and I'm going to get the book and I'm going to get it signed afterwards. That sort of sense of anticipation for a big community event like this I can remember a bit my son's a Southampton um, supporter, by the way. That's uh, different to me. I was born in West London, so of course I support QPR, but he's a Southampton supporter. So we went to uh, see the Saints um, for the first time after all the lockdowns. And I remember just being stood in that crowd as, uh, you know, they play the music and the, and the players come onto the pitch, that anticipation. So... Ezra comes up onto a high wooden platform, be, be quite high up, I would imagine, so that everyone can see him. And he's joined by the community leaders um, who are showing unity around the context of the book, verse 5. And he opens the book. Wow, what a moment. And the people respond by standing up as a sign of awe and respect. And when opening the book, it leads to the praise of God led by Ezra, followed by the people, and with their hands in the air, they show their devotion to the Lord, verse 6. Now, can we get on to... Yes. So, you might wonder what this woman is doing. She's a part of an open-the-book team going into schools, which is a project of Bible societies, going into schools, not only reading the Word with young children, getting them to act out the words with them, get their whole bodies involved in the retelling or the telling of Bible stories. And don't we know that so many young people are completely unaware of what's in the Bible, even stories that many of us who are older and maybe haven't been that close to faith, but we would have known those things from what went on at school or in our family or maybe from Sunday school. But many young people don't even know some of the most well-known stories so open the book gets into school to get young people into the stories of the bible by reading the word and passing it down through the generations and that's hinted at from our second passage of course the two timothy passage we remember the acts of god in the past and we instill that place in god's community that is ours that cannot be taken away from us so the Levites explain the text, verses 7 and 8, making it clear and giving it meaning so the people understood what was being read. So, as I've intimated before, it's a complex audience. We've got this group of people who come all the way back from Susa, probably keen, probably motivated, thinking we're on mission, we're back at home, we're going to make things happen and probably quite a confused and disparate local people who'd not had the education in the Jewish law. Now, the Bible is a wonderful record of events, teaching, and vision, but it does contain some things that are difficult to understand. There are lots of things I don't understand in the Scriptures, and I'm sure I'm not the only one in the room that thinks that too. But some people have been given a little bit more education to these things and are able to provide resources to help us to understand just a little bit more than we do today. The Levites taking time and skill to do that here. Um, but we want to, in Bible Society, produce resources that help people to do that too, at whatever level we're at. So this was our stand for the Good News Youth Bible, um, which I mentioned earlier Um, This is it, award-winning, and um, our bestseller over the last few years, designed by young people and for young people, um, so that they can access the Scriptures more naturally in a way that they're really comfortable with. And we've just followed that up with, and I haven't got a copy of it with me, but the Family Bible, and it is huge. It is like this size, and the whole idea is get the family around the table to interact with this massive Bible. And it's got helps in it for all age groups. So it didn't, wouldn't matter if you had young and old, um, people who like complexity and people who like it's more straightforward. All of those things are covered in this family Bible to try and get people around the word together in families looking at the scriptures. We want to try and help people to access the word, but also to be able to understand it. As well so the response of the people was weeping as they heard the words of the law being read, a deep conviction of their sin as the law is digested. They recognized that they had strayed a long way um, and of course that's what sin is. it's our wrongdoing as the the word from the liturgy earlier said, it's our self-centeredness saying, I know better than you, God. I'm going to do this my way and and not your way. The law, of course, could not save them, and it cannot save us. Rather, it points the ideal standard, God's standard for the community, but our need for his grace. We cannot do it on our own is the most liberating message we can have. And don't you think there's such a crisis of perfectionism in our society? Don't we see young people being crippled by that in our society? Don't we think that all of us seem to think we need to live the perfect life in the perfect way with the perfect outcomes? Isn't it liberating to know that that's not what God demands? He demands that we're just honest in front of him about the fact that we cannot make the perfect standard and that he's given his son as sacrifice to enable us to be in right relationship with him. Nehemiah joins Ezra at this point as governor of the region and encourages the people not to become so obsessed with their wrongdoing, but rather to enjoy and celebrate what the Lord has done in bringing his word to his people. Feasting with the very best of food is recommended, and don't leave anyone out. Feasting for the whole community without exception. And that's something that we've also been encouraging in Bible society. They're called our Psalm 23 banquets, encouraging churches to have big community meals to invite everyone in, themed around the words of Psalm 23, and there are lots of resources around that. Free resources to enable you to make the very most of that. Welcoming people to regather again and to say church is open. We're a group of people who want to get to know you. Come and find out more. We want to bless you with our presence too. So just a a few words um, about Bible Society itself. Um, That's a picture of William Wilberforce, who some of you may have heard of famous um, leader of the um, anti-slavery movement. Um, <clears throat> uh, but he was also one of the founders of the Bible Society and following on the story of a young Welsh girl, Mary Jones, who had to walk 26 miles to get a copy of the scriptures in her own language. And when she got there, the local minister had sold his last one. So he gave her his three personal copies And that's what inspired the movement, that nobody should be without the scriptures who wants to have one in their own language. Um, That's why we have a particular um, emphasis on the Welsh language in Bible society, for example. Um, They then came to London along with uh, their um, denominational leader, uh, Thomas Charles and Joseph Hughes. They met with the Clapham group, uh, William Wilberforce and Friends, and that's what established the British and Foreign Bible Society, as it was called back then. And, you know, the interest in the Scriptures um, continues to grow. It's easy for us sometimes to feel like, well, we're, you know, we're a small group of people, we're, society's very big out there, maybe culture doesn't seem quite so friendly anymore to the Scriptures, but believe you me, during the pandemic, demand for reading the Scriptures, whether that be online or with physical copies, has grown. And one survey that we did was really instructive. The age group whose interest has grown the most through the pandemic in exploring all things spiritual are the 18 to 24s. More than any other age group, they are the group who are looking for something more. And, uh, and that's why we're so keen. We've got a, a team of people working on um, that particular grouping of people warm to the warm to the idea of exploration no more than that but warm to the idea of exploration how are we going to make those connections or more importantly how are we as bible society going to help church communities like yourselves to make those connections where you live so where are we Have we frozen? Maybe if I press that, that might be better. So coming right up to date, um, I just wanted to share with you um, some of the work that's been going on in Ukraine. Um, We have been so inspired by the Ukraine Bible Society and what they're doing, and I'm about to show you a short video clip of their work. They keep us up to date, in regular contact, Um, They have seen this as a mission opportunity for them, and they've been in some of the most devastated parts of the country on a daily basis. So let me just show you this video. Hopefully this will work all right, and then we will come into land. Can you play that from the back? Is that possible? Slide 10? No? Oh, did it not come across...
0: This round world thank you for Bibles. Lot of cars here we, we, we received provision from West Ukraine delivering Bibles from Bible society with a different provision they will visit families with children uh, place shelters where people staying.
1: So that was Anatoly, he's um, the Deputy General Secretary, he's based in Kyiv. The General Secretary lives in Kharkiv, which as many of you know, has been very much uh, in the front line. Um, And they've both been coordinating this work uh, in the south and east of Ukraine, as well as over there for those who've been forced west. What encourages us and encourages them is that the Bible continues to transform lives even in the most difficult of circumstances. Because it's the written word that leads to the living word. The living word who is the son of God himself, Jesus. The word made flesh, as John's gospel announces him. And the anticipation of the word being revealed is both true of the exiles, we've read about very briefly here in Nehemiah, when they return to Jerusalem, as it is of their descendants waiting for Jesus. And uh, just before the pandemic, I was at an event in the British Library celebrating the work in China. Um, It's a 100 years since the Chinese Union version was translated and first printed. And the Deputy Director Daniel of the China Partnership told us of the great opportunities and challenges there. The Amity Press set up by the China Partnership, has printed 200 million copies of the Bible since it was set up. That's the biggest Bible printing press in the world, and there it is in China. Um, But of course, there are difficulties too, since President Xi took office, and he discovered that whilst there were 70 million members of the Chinese Communist Party, there were an estimated 80 to 100 million committed Christians praise God (laughs) but he's now clamping down on a lot of activities uh, associated with the church particularly for young people um, and that's really difficult and the wonderful truth is though again that just as in Ezra and Nehemiah's day the word of God not only brings light and life to individuals it also makes sense of the world around us the sin and the decay as well as the hope and the eternal future that we have with him. It shows us that the truth and grace of Jesus Christ is the hope of our lives and the hope of the world. So let's treasure this book and the message it contains, for there's no hope without it. Let's pray, shall we? Lord God, as we have looked briefly at this passage and we've recognized this wonderful community moment, so we think of ourselves and our own community here. I think of my brothers and sisters here at Meadgate Church. Lord, I pray that the Word of God would dwell in each of them richly and would not only nourish and satisfy them as individual people, but also as families as church family, and as people sharing the message of this book with their friends outside. Help each one of us, Lord, to embody that hope, to be sharing in your vision that people come to know Jesus and uh, to be those who keep on our guard, keep in the word, and keep you front and centre of our lives. For the glory of Jesus we ask these things. Amen.